we are rapidly approaching what many people call Holy Week. Some people have already, in other faiths, have already started with such activities as Lent and other things. And then um, next Sunday, we will be celebrating what's commonly called Palm Sunday. Unfortunately, so many churches will pridefully say, well, we're a New Testament church. That's only partially right and true if you have the full counsel of God. Because God spoke long ago in many portions, in many ways, and by many different people. And he spoke to us last in his son. But as Paul tells us, the Old Testament is a school teacher. It teaches us information that we need to know as we grow in our faith. Elementary school is necessary because it teaches us the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And obviously the person who wrote that never went to school because it's reading, writing, which is a W, and arithmetic. But, you know, that's okay because we kind of get what they say. But elementary school is a beginning, again, to, to give you the foundations so that you might learn to learn. But the problem is, if you skip elementary school, you may have a knack for theoretical calculus. But if you don't know that 2 plus 2 is 4, your math equations are going to get wrong. One of the problems that um, some of the geniuses that we've had thought math was boring, and so the elementary principles, they kind of messed up. So needed people to kind of correct them, but they were thinking big. All too often, people try to, in, in religious context, try to think big rather than get back to the elementary principle. And so that's why I believe that we are a full scripture church, because it teaches us what we need to know. So, for instance, Next Sunday, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, there is a reason that there was a whole lot of people in Jerusalem because of Passover. If you don't know the scriptures in the Old Testament, you would know many of the things that Jesus did during that period of time between his entry and his crucifixion and his death, burial, and resurrection were told and foretold about in the scriptures. So, for instance, you can say, well, Jesus rose from the dead. So, therefore, automatically he becomes the Messiah. Here's the warning. We know that he's the Messiah because he lived, died, buried, and rose again according to the scriptures. There's going to be someone someday very soon, hopefully sooner than later, as Ed was praying for. There is one who's going to be called the Antichrist. He will suffer a mortal, which means deadly, head wound. And he'll raise again. If you're basing your theology simply on resurrection, then you could go after the wrong Christ, the Antichrist. So you need to know the full counsel of the scriptures so you know when you're being deceived and when you're being led properly. So that is why 
we're going to take a look at today, Passover and the Lamb of God. Because Passover is extremely important for us to know as New Testament believers, because it strengthens our faith. It gives us a greater understanding of what God did, is doing, and is going to do. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 11. The uh, first verse simply says, Now the Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. And after that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Up until this point, there had been nine plagues that Egypt had suffered. And on, often on some of the plagues, Pharaoh would initially say, okay, well, you can go do this, but you got to come back. Well, you got to do this, you can come back. Or he would change his mind. But God said, here's the 10th plague. He's going to not only let you go, he's going to drive you out. He doesn't want you here. That's how significant this last plague will be. So then if you'll skip over to verse 4. And Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight I am going to go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before, and such as never shall be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me, saying, Go out, and you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And, and he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. So he explains to Pharaoh what's going to happen. He says, God is going to make a distinction. The distinction is between Egypt and Israel, between those who aren't God's people and those who are God's people, and that there is going to be death in Egypt, but there will be calm and peace and security in Israel, so much so that not even a dog will bark. Pharaoh doesn't like that word, and he gets angry, and he sends Moses out. Would it not have been better for Pharaoh to repent? And maybe that devastation would not have come. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you so that my people, so that my wonders will be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So he already tells Moses ahead of time. I've got things that I want to do that will tell the world who I am. So Pharaoh's not going to listen to you because I'm going to let the world know who I am. And Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, yet the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the sons of Israel go out of his land. So that's kind of the setup. There have been nine plagues. Now there's one last one. But now Israel is required to do something to follow the word of God. And so in chapter 12 of Exodus, it says this. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt, 
This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. God's saying, in essence, in Israel, there are two calendars. There's a civil calendar and there's religious calendar. God is saying, I want to change the calendar here because this is so significant. I want you to understand this is a new beginning. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, they are to each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the numbers of the person in them, according to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. So he says, each household is to sacrifice a lamb and consume it and to eat it. He says, and if you've got a small family, and you can't eat an entire lamb, then invite somebody close to you so that two or three families might gather together to eat the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished, unblemished male, a year old. So there are requirements of the lamb. Year old, unblemished. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. So you're to make sure that this lamb is unblemished. And then you are in essence to protect it, to make sure that it doesn't get hurt. And that you are knowing that this particular lamb is going to be sacrificed and eaten. So that you are to be aware of what is happening. And they are to kill it at twilight. If you are at all familiar with the crucifixion, this should ring to you. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not anything, do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roast it with fire, both its head and its legs along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it, until morning, you shall burn with fire. This is, here are the elements. Not only are you to take this lamb, and you're to kill it at twilight. Then you're to roast it. You're not to boil it. You're not to do the. You're only to roast it. And then you're to eat it with bitter herbs. And with unleavened bread. So these are the requirements of Passover. Then he says in verse 11, now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. The instructions here is that you are going to be kicked out of Egypt and you're not going to have time to pack. So you are to eat with haste because things are going to be moving quickly. I know you've been crying out God for 400 years. Well, this night is different, and this night is going to be quick. So have your shoes on, your sandals on. Have the, your rod in your hand so that you can, as the 70s might say, that you might boogie out. So that there, and, and if any of you have participated in a Passover Seder at our church, this is the way I eat it. 
Others picked the way Jesus and the disciples ate it because they were free men and they ate it reclining at the table. Wonderful. That's great. But this is what he helps. He tells us to do it. So usually what I do is I have tennis shoes on because they're much more comfortable to walk than dress shoes. And I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. God says, I'm not only going to wreck retribution on the people of Egypt for the way they have treated my people and the way they have gone after other gods. I'm going to also execute judgment against their God so that they might know their gods are not gods at all. Then he says this, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, I want you to know something very important here. God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over and no harm will come to you. He didn't say, when I see the blood and I see that you've been a good little boy or girl, then I will pass over. Or he didn't say, if you put the blood on the doorpost and the door and you've been a good husband or a good wife or a good child, then I'll pass over. Or if you followed the commandments that I'm soon to give you, or you've done all kinds of other things. He goes, when I see the blood, I will pass over. God is saying, I'm seeing faith. You've been told my word is this through Moses, that no harm will come to you if you place the blood on the doorpost. And you might say, Well, how does that save anybody? Because God said so. God made a promise. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. And this elementary teaching is significant for us who look at the New Testament. So now if you'll skip over to verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lamb according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. So he says, this is what you're to do. So he explains to the people what they are to do. And to follow what God has presented to them. And if you'll skip to verse 28. Then the sons of Israel went and did so. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. So that we see that Israel responded in faith to the word of God. If you... Take a mental picture of the blood being placed on the doorpost and the lintel. You will see a sign of the cross. God is speaking about faith and sacrifice. It's not the law. 
It's not who you are inside, but what the blood has done to protect you. And then verse 23. The Lord will pass over through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door. He will not allow the destroyer to come in to your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children for another 60 years. Didn't say that. Didn't say until you get old and can't do it anymore. He says this ordinance for you and your children forever. If God is saying, here's this event, and I want my people to celebrate this event forever, then maybe it's important to God. And maybe if it's important to God, maybe it should be important to us. No wonder the people came and filled Jerusalem during that period of time, because they were required to come, all the men, 18 and above, were required to come, if at all possible, to Jerusalem at Passover and to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. And it wasn't to be done for a few, but forever. And when you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised you, you shall observe this right. And when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? Notice, what does the right mean to you? So it's personal. You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but spared our home. And the people bowed low and worshiped. And then it says, God did exactly what he said he would do. And they were freed from slavery. And not only they were freed from slavery and told to get out of Egypt, God so gave them favor that their neighbors gave them silver and gold and other gifts as they departed. In essence, they left the spoils of a battle they never fought. So Israel is set free. Verse 29. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captives who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh rose in the night, and he and all of his servants and all of the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there is not someone dead, except for Israel. Then he called for Moses and Aaron that night and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go worship the Lord as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you have said, and go and bless me also. Now, he doesn't mean that because later he's going to change his mind or whatever. But notice that God does exactly what God said he would, that they were free and that God protected them because when he saw the blood, 
he passed over. So you go, well, that's an interesting historical information. Except it's not historical. It's current. We say, well, I'm not Jewish. The law doesn't apply to me. This doesn't affect me. Well, in John chapter 1, verse 29, after Jesus had been baptized by John the baptizer, it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is considered the Lamb of God, who we not only, because of his sacrifice, are passed over. Our sins are forgiven. I want you to let that sink in. God just doesn't pass over our sins. He forgives our sins. Our sins are taken away. That is why I say, if you don't understand the Old Testament, you won't quite understand all in the New Testament. And then finally, Paul, well, not finally, but the next verse I wanted to share with you is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Paul says, clean out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. Paul is going through this very holy day. He's going to be talking about unleavened bread. He's going to be talking about Passover. And he's saying, we are to rid ourselves of the leaven of sin and be, in fact, unleavened. We are to be holy for the Christ. Our Passover also has been sacrificed. You see, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is our Passover Lamb. I believe that the scriptures clearly teach us that Jesus died on Passover. Well, actually, he died at twilight when the lambs were being sacrificed and was laid to rest on Passover and on unleavened bread. And then Saturday came as a holy day. Sabbath day, and then he arose on Sunday. But Christ is our Passover lamb, which means it's not some Jewish holy day. It's a celebration that we are to take. And we are to say, why do you celebrate this day? Because my sins have been forgiven. My sins, though they are many, are completely clean. God has not only passed over my sins, he has forgiven my sins. He has made me righteous. He has made me holy. He has made me his child. I'm a chosen one. I'm his. I'm a child of the king. All of these things because Christ is our Passover lamb. And we should be teaching our children just as the Jews were instructed to teach their children. What does Passover mean? At least one day a year, we ought to be instructing our children. Hopefully it's every day, but at least that day, this is what this means. Yes, we're not Jewish. We get to eat shrimp. We get to, we get to wear polyester clothes. It's cool. 
But this is a holy day for all God's people. Now, he said that not only is it a holy day, but that you are to celebrate it as a memorial. In Revelation chapter 5, there's a scene in heaven. We'll start looking at verse 11. Then I, who is John, the beloved, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice. Now, I want you to understand, there's a whole lot of heavenly creatures yelling this, shouting this. But notice they're heavenly creatures. They weren't redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You and I were. How dare we let them praise God more than we do because God saved us. God forgave us. God made us holy. God made us people who can dwell in heaven. And there with a loud voice saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. I'm going to go a little further than this. Notice this. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. I think we'll be celebrating Passover in heaven. Because we'll be declaring that blessed is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And because he did that, we are now citizens of heaven. We're the citizens of his kingdom. And we are to be declaring with loud voices that he is worthy, the Lamb of God, who sits on the throne. He's worthy to do that because of who he is and what he's done. So yeah, Passover happened many thousands of years ago. It happened to a people who are genetically different perhaps than us. But the teaching is relevant to you and to me. Because our Passover lamb was sacrificed. That our sins may not simply be passed over, but forgiven. And I want you to understand something. The teaching is the same. That if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that God raised him from the dead, and that when we confess that Jesus is Lord, we are saved. Not when we do a bunch of little things, and not even if we celebrate Passover, but when we by faith respond to what God has said, then God comes to us and changes us and gives us freedom. Just as much as them. Gave us freedom. We shouldn't be waiting. 
until Sunday to be in a loud voice to say, worthy is the Lamb. We shouldn't wait till Passover or unleavened bread or first fruits or Pentecost or whatever day that you, or your birthday, whatever day that you celebrate. We shouldn't be waiting, but we should be declaring in a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb. Because I see what God did. And by seeing what God did, I see what God is doing. And I see what God is going. So we're going to sing a song that was sung almost every Sunday last year. Because it applies to this message. We have been redeemed. There not have been 10 different plagues. But sometimes we come to the Lord because of difficulties in our life. And we've come to understand that actually we're not in charge and we're not God. And we see his love and his kindness and his mercy and his forgiveness and his grace. And in that response to that in faith, he frees us from the slavery of sin. Now in our world today, we think, well, if you make a commitment to Christ, you're somehow burdened. Jesus says, take my burden upon you. It is light and it is easy. But the burden of sin and shame wrecks lives and futures and destiny. We are free. We are free. As our Passover lamb, the lamb of God, blood is upon us. And all God's people said,